Monday. 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 Open wide dev fans. Get ready to stuff your face with JavaScript, CSS, Node Modules, Barbecue Tips, Git Workflows, Breakdancing, Soft Skills, Web Development, The Hastiest, The Craziest, The Tastiest, Web Development Treats. Coming in hot, here is Wes, Barracuda, Boss, and Scott, El Toro Loco, Tolinsky. Welcome to Syntax. This is a hasty treat. This means it's a short episode, but it still is jam-packed with delicious, I don't know, treats of of things that we're going to talk about. My name is Wes Boss. With me, as always, is Scott Talinsky. Today, we're going to be talking all about dot files, which is uh, whenever you open up a GitHub repo or or anything, you you see all these dot whatever files, and, and we're going to dive into what are they, why would you need them, what are some tools that you can use to manage your dot files and sync them, and and that'll be it. So how are you doing today, Scott? Doing good. I'm ready to demystify some dot files on the dot. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell us about today's sponsor? Yeah. Today's sponsor, as uh, uh, as many of you know, is one of uh, my favorite new services, which is Netlify. Now, uh, Netlify is a web hosting company, but so much more and so much better than just saying, "Hey, they're they're a host." Because uh, Netlify is the very first host that I reach for if I'm deploying anything. It's awesome. It's like their website says, they go beyond static because what they do is they host front end code in a way that nobody else does it. They make the the startup process dead simple. I just had somebody tweet me today saying, oh, Scott, you were not joking. This setup was insanely fast. Uh, they're one of those services that the very first time you use it, you're instantly smitten with the process because uh, the process itself is unlike any other host. They make it dead simple. This is the gold standard for what hosts need to be. In addition to just being a darn good host, they offer a ton of excellent features that are more and more important in every today's web, like uh, free SSL certificates that are just seriously one click. You just click it and you get a Let's Encrypt certificate. It couldn't be any easier than that. You can do easy domain management. You get to, uh, there's some really slick A-B testing features, continuous deployment, uh, one click, just sort of all sorts of stuff. It, again, it takes the complexity of working hosting out of it. And there's also some really excellent features like uh, working with AWS Lambda functions, uh, identity where you can have your own login system and forms, all these sort of server-side stuff that you can use without actually having a server in your site, inherently making your site way more secure way faster and easier and less complex. There is a ton of amazing things about Netlify, but to learn more about Netlify, head to netlify.com forward slash syntax and let them know that you uh, heard about them from Syntax because they love to hear that and we love for them to love that because let me tell you, this is my favorite hosting platform and uh, yeah, I love sharing it as you can probably tell by now. So yeah, check out netlify.com forward slash Syntax and see what the hype is all about. Wicked. Awesome. So let's get into it. What is a dot file? Dot file is like it's it's a settings file for all of these different tools. Whenever you're building a website or in our case, let's let's talk about it from building a website. You're building a website. You've got a whole bunch of tools that you need in order to actually build that website. You might have ESLint. You might have prettier to format your code. You might have a environmental variable file that you have. You may have Git in there. You might have NPM. So all of these things need to put settings somewhere. And often these settings need to come al- along for the ride when you you put it in a Git repo or you send some code over someone or or you have different environments where these, these things need to be changed. So 
the way that we've solved this is by using a dot file and a couple examples of a dot file. If you look in the root of generally the dot files will either live in the root of your computer. So if you just do like a open up your terminal and you type cat dot tilde forward slash dot and hit tab. If you're using a ZSH, you're going to see that there are probably I probably have, I don't know, 40 or 50 different dot files that are in there. Some of them contain access tokens to specific things. Some of them can contain settings for editors that I've used in the past. Some of them use settings for my ESLint. There's just all kinds of different ones. So uh, what are some of the, the more popular dot files that you would see as a web developer, Scott? Yeah, some of the, well, I'd say the the most most popular one you're going to see is a dot git ignore, which is basically the file that tells git which files to ignore, because obviously not every file needs to be or wants to be tracked in a repo. For instance, if you have private keys, you're going to want to make sure your private keys are in a file that's not being tracked if your repo is public. Now, obviously, if your repo is private, maybe that's a different conversation. But either way, there's typically you'll find things like a DS store files, maybe your node modules folder, maybe some uh, user specific settings, like maybe I want my VS code set up a specific way in a repo, so I have my VS code code folder uh, ignored things like lock files I have my yarn lock file not not committed um, yeah so pretty much that kind of stuff anything you want that's not tracked by your repo is in your git ignore file yeah actually on that on that point of putting like tokens and, and secrets and stuff in a git repo I was of the same thing as you where I was like oh it's fine it's a private repo until I just had to I'm, I'm having a contractor work on my platform and I have had these get like these secrets and stuff in my repo for years. Right. And and you can remove them from Git. But the whole point of Git is that there's a history to it. Right. So uh, I had to set up a whole separate. I know you can go back and scrub the scrub the history of it if you accidentally commit something that's sensitive. But what I had to do is create an entirely separate repo and just cut all of my history with that application because I didn't want them going back and having access to customer data or production, uh, anything production, right? Like that's, you don't, I don't want to have any data leak out. It has to all be test data for a contractor that's actually working on the, on the platform. So that was a, a lesson learned there Word. Word. <laughs> doing something like that. Another one that I like to use is a dot git keep file. And this is actually not a standard git file at all. However, sometimes you want to commit a folder to a git repo. But if you commit an empty folder to something, git will just remove that folder because there's nothing in it. Right. So one like little way to uh, commit an empty folder is just to put it a dot git keep file in there. And that will be enough for uh, Git to say, oh, there's something in here. Better push up the folder. And that's I use that all the time in my tutorials because I might have a components folder in a react tutorial, but there's nothing in there. So I have to put an empty git keep file in there. Word. Yeah. Uh, and uh, OK, now we're going to get into, I think, probably some RC files, right? Is that next on your list is an RC yes. file? Yeah, RC Cola. Yeah, I feel like before uh, we should dive into maybe what the RC was, because I was really curious. I about don't even this. know what RC stands for. Tell me. Yeah, so I was really curious. So I obviously Googled RC in dot files, which actually came up with a really nice Stack Overflow question, which just says, what does RC mean in dot files? And uh, it doesn't look like there's necessarily a consensus, but it looks like it could stand for any one of these things, run commands, resource control, run control, or runtime configuration. Uh, they also have a little sentence here that says the RC suffix goes back to 
to Unix's grandparent, CTSS. It had a common or a command script feature called Runcom. Early Unixes used RC for the name of the operating system's boot script as a tribute to CTSS Runcom. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's not something that's super obvious, and it goes way back. I mean, that's a way more interesting answer than I was expecting. So uh, it looks like it could be any <laughs> of those things. Uh, this, this is a nice little history lesson for myself. So the first, I guess, RC file that I wanted to cover would be uh, one that is, well, used pretty heavily in modern JavaScript, which is your Babel RC file, .babel RC, which is going to be where you're configuring your Babel compiler with various plugins or presets to let it know basically what type of code you're writing and, and what it needs to do, uh, how it needs to output. So inside of your Babel RC file, you might have things like if you're using certain features of Babel. For instance, I have a Babel plugin that what it does is it makes my styled component names prettier, not like the package prettier, but prettier for testing. So when I'm testing, I don't have to have some ugly styled component name. I actually end up having a component name that's the name of the actual component. It's called Babel Plugin Styled Components. I use that one as well. It's Do great. You? Yeah. I also use one to make uh, absolute imports of things. So I can, instead of importing from relative, I can import from a root directory as an absolute path, which is super nice because when you import from an absolute path and you move one file, you don't have to change that import just because you moved a file. So yeah, plugins are definitely a big part of Babel along with how you output your code using, you know, preset environments and stuff like that. So uh, Babel RC is probably something that you've came across come across at some point uh, if you've been using sort of modern JavaScript. Next one we have here is the .bash RC or the ZSH RC or what's it in fish? What's it called in a fish shell? .fish. No, it might be actually called fish. I think it might be called, yeah, well, there's a .config folder and then inside of the .config, there's a config.fish file. So yeah. Oh yeah, that, that, that .config folder has been awesome. So sort of I don't know how when this actually started happening, but because your root directory gets muddied up with the hundreds of these dot files, um, a lot of these different tools have sort of said, OK, we're going to put everything in a dot config mm-hmm. folder, Yarn which lives and then. and then put everything in there, which is which is really cool. Mm-hmm. In your bash RC or your ZSHRC, um, that is where you're going to put all of your uh, ter- all of your shell you can put aliases in there you can put different settings that you want so if you want to change your zsh theme or you want to change your prompt or uh, any of that information that will go in there that's all the settings that are specific to it one thing i will say about aliases though you can someone asked me like why are you putting your git aliases in your zshrc file there is a feature in git that is specifically for aliases so i had one where i would run gac it would git add and commit all in one go um, and then I move that over to my git config as a as a git alias and I just say ac equals and then you you run the command git add minus all and git commit minus m uh, which is really really helpful um, other times I do do aliases in in my zshrc I have one called fix which will immediately git diff all of my it'll it'll tell me like what files are currently have merge conflicts and then it will automatically open those up in my editor. So anytime that you you do a rebase or, or you do a pull and you have a couple things that need to get fixed, I'll just type fix and then it'll open all of the merge conflicts in my editor and go through those one by one. 
which is pretty helpful. Although I don't use that as much anymore because of the awesome merging tools that are built into VS Code. Yeah, those are good. I find good. myself uh, reaching for those yeah. a little bit more. I, I alias a lot of dumb things, a lot of really dumb things, because like I have, I have like npm scripts to start my application, which is just you know yarn start. But then I have yarn start alias to just start. <laughs> so I don't have to type the <laughs> word yarn, which I admittedly is ridiculous. But uh, it, I don't know if it saves me any time, but I, I prefer to just type start because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. What else you got for me? Yeah. Another one you might be used to seeing is an ESLintRC. If you, uh, again, use JavaScript, you probably are using something like ESLint, uh, which is one of those things that makes, finds a billion bugs in your code and either it makes them aware for, makes you aware of them or fixes them, or maybe even it's code style things. You know, it's so funny. You see those like memes about like people missing a parenthesis or a semicolon or something like that and it, taking hours to debug and like, Man, if you were just using ESLint, all of yeah. your problems go away. Like it's a two-second thing. So if you're not using ESLint, use ESLint and never have issues like that ever again. And ES- I always see those those memes. I'm like, yeah. I don't mean to be a jerk, but you shouldn't take six hours on a semicolon. You should have tooling that will tell you that. Yeah. Or if it, even better, fix it for you. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I never understood that. But yeah. So I have my ESLint setup is based on a. Uh, it's based on the Airbnb preset of ESLint, and then I have things like Prettier, which we'll also talk about. And I have I have some custom rules. For instance, I like to use the plus plus, so I've turned the no plus plus off. Because who doesn't like the plus plus? I know there's people that don't like it. So, uh, but yeah, I like the plus plus. There's a lot of little things here and there that I, I just tweak to make it uh, make it feel more like how I like to program while keeping the spirit of the Airbnb preset there. Anyways. I have a massive ESLint file. I do too. Um, and how I long, have. How I've, long is yours? Let's let's la- oh, let's let me here. tell you, <laughs> West Spot. So I put my dot files online because I get all the time people message me saying, "What are your dot files? What are your settings?" And I didn't put them out online for the longest time because I don't think that you should just like assume that I'm the best at this and and that you should use whatever I'm using. I think that you should figure it out yourself. So with a little. Uh, notice there being like I'm constantly changing them. I don't really have like really good explanations for why I use every single one. Like sometimes people want me to like die on the sword of <laughs> using a specific ESLint rule. And I'm just like, I don't know, like I this is probably this is what I like. And I've turned it off because it annoyed me or I turned it on because I find that it's good this way. And I don't really care all that much past that. So mine is 124 lines. Whoa, I thought I was mine thought it was going to be longer. I got 87 lines i was like this is pretty long yeah so i i extend oh but here's the question do you use prettier in your eslint file i have a separate prettier yeah okay well i put all of my i i use prettier and prettier react through eslint so it's all in one file so all of my um prettier settings which is not that many i only have four lines of prettier settings i have single quote true and tailing comma to es5 that's a, and that and then I have that and then I also have print width a hundred because I know yeah. purists go for eighty characters. But wow, can't live that life. See, I have that as an ESLint setting. Interesting, but I've got all kinds of different ESLint ones that turn on and specific ones for the type of like node work that I do and and whatnot. And that's why I, t- I pe- tell people not to just copy paste it because like you don't necessarily work on the exact s- s- same kind of uh, projects that I work on. 
Yeah. And you should, uh, one of those things that involved in there is the JSX ally. If you're using Airbnb, you should leave all of those on. <laughs> Cause yes. those are like, like uh, it's really easy to just turn those off and they're like accessibility issues. Let me just turn off those ES lint errors and boom, no accessibility. No, leave those on, fix those accessibility issues. That's a big deal. So just a, a little aside there. I, I've been thinking about just like publishing my own ES lint settings so that uh, when I do a, a tutorial, I can just extend the West boss ESLint setting because yeah. I've, I find that I have too many in here. And then if I make a change to one, then I have to like go through all the other projects um, I, because I work mostly on my by myself on projects. I just have like one global ESLint rule. And then if I have a project where I'm working on it with someone else, we'll make sure that we have a, a local ESLint file to that specific project. Word boss lint. Next one I have here is a .env file. And if you've taken any of my courses, you may have seen this one. Environmental variables are an interesting thing where uh, if you have like a password to a database or you have some specific information that is specific to your environment, and this might be API endpoints, this might be API tokens to YouTube or Vimeo, things like that that change from environment to environment and also stuff that should never end up in your Git repo because that's sensitive information. So what we'll do is you put them in a variables or a, a .env file, and, and then you, in your entry point of your node application, you run this package called .env, and I think there's something for Ruby as well, and it will parse that .env file and uh, populate those environmental variables uh, throughout your entire application, which is great. I don't use .env, and in general, I hate dot files because they are hidden by default. And as someone who is is teaching a tutorial, I get an un I don't I haven't used them in years and it's great the email has stopped, but I used to get so much email of people who would not they would like download it and like Windows wouldn't show it to them or on OS X dot files are hidden by default and they would copy paste it and then the dot file wouldn't come along for the ride or they they wouldn't be able to see it when they LS unless you sp at, pass a specific flag or their editor wasn't set up to show dot files and just a nightmare. So I always change mine to variables.env mm. um, just so that it's a proper file. And same thing with um, Babel. I never use babelrc. I always put it in the package.json. Uh, which is great because then again, it's one less file to overwhelm the people who are learning as well as it's never going to get lost as a as a sort of a hidden file. Yeah, I don't necessarily do that. I, I, I use the hidden files. I actually um, I just found out there's a really easy way to toggle like before. I, I don't know if this when this was a thing, but I felt like before you had to go into your terminal in the Mac OS to like turn the dot files on and off. Yeah, but on, default rights thing. Yeah. Yeah. On Mac OS, you can do shift command period and that if, if you're on finder that just shows and hides them instantly shift command period easy hot tip hot tip wow yeah i was just googling for this for this to find that terminal command and then somebody said shift command dot and i was like what and then sure enough it works really easily <laughs> uh in windows it's a little bit well, I think it might. I don't know if you could say it's easier because I don't know if there's a shortcut for it now, but uh, you pretty much just go to your your taskbar and you select show hidden files uh, and folders from the search results. Like if you search, just search for show hidden files and folders. It pops up in something in advanced settings that says show hidden files and folders. You just select OK. Um, so it's really easy to turn these things on. And uh, I, I usually had just left them on. But now that I can toggle them really quickly, I'm just going to leave them off for the most part. That way they're not like cluttering up my vision 
when I'm trying to nor- use my finder like a normal person. Uh, awesome. Yeah, totally sick. You know what my favorite DAW file is? The DS underscore store file. Oh yeah, screw that file. It's the what worst. is that? It's a I, it's a it's a macOS file that like lets. I, I'm gonna butcher this without having a reference, but I'm pretty sure it's it's just for like like a reference of the file system or something. Okay, and macOS operating system DS stores a file that stores custom attributes of its containing folder, such as the position of the icons, the choice of background image, the name abbreviation. So it's basically, uh, hey, what like the properties of the stuff in this folder, which everyone knows that like there's nothing more frustrating than doing a commit and then realizing you forgot to put DS store and your get ignore. And then all of a sudden there's yeah. a DS store files all of your get ignore or your, your repo. And then you have to go remove them from the repo. It's just giant pain. In fact, if you Google remove DS store files from repo, there's going to be a lot of results. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many upvotes that uh, Stack Overflow post has on it. Yeah, I've done it so many times. That's funny. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question right now. <laughs> it has. Okay, get this. Okay, this was posted in 2008, sometime around then. The ten answer, years ago. Ten years ago, the answer has 17, uh, nearly 1,800 upvotes on Stack Overflow, which is probably more than I've seen most have ever. That's awesome. Uh, other files that we have here is the editor config file. So if you're using Vim, someone else is using Sublime and another person's using VS Code and you want your editors to all be set up in the proper way, uh, you all want to use the same kind of tabs or you all want to use spaces and your line break is at a specific specific size. You don't have to have a specific Sublime settings file that you share with everyone. You just use editor config and then you can install install extensions for all of these different editors that will ingest that setting and then adjust the settings to your, your editors there. I don't specifically use that one myself, especially now with Prettier is a lot of people used it for like tabs versus spaces. So you didn't accidentally make a commit where, you know, sometimes you see it where somebody like changes one thing and then they've the entire repo has had a change because they they have formatted it in tabs or or they they added a new line at the end, whereas the, the author originally didn't. There's all kinds of like things like that. But now with Prettier, you don't have to worry about it. You just author it as you want. And then often what people will do is they'll, they'll set up a Git hook where right before you deploy or, or push to Git, you will it'll like format the code in the way that that repo was was hoping to do. Yeah. And I just have it on save for myself. That way I'm always Me seeing too. those updates. Yeah, it's actually super useful when you're doing a, a, a course. Like, right, you're just typing your code and just be like, give me one second, save this. And everything looks pretty. Everyone gets to see it looking pretty. And uh, yeah, prettier. Uh, yeah, that's a very, very. I had a, a whole bunch of people on Twitter tell me that, like, you shouldn't set it on save. Just do it before you commit. And I was like, how do you live your life without prettier? Because, Seriously. Like, I always have. And in- like, do you actually spend time reindenting your code and. Uh, I type like a caveman when I'm typing my code and then I just hit save all the time and it just fixes it for me. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like the the amount, how much faster I am. I think prettier is like the tool of the last couple of years for me. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyways, what other any other files you have that are specific or should we go into uh, uh, syncing them? Um, no, I guess nothing. I have some like for .env, Meteor has a settings file, which is a settings.json, so it's not necessarily a dot file. Uh, I have a .meteor ignore file that tells the compiler which files to ignore if you have stuff, um, because Meteor has 
uh, the ability to do eager loading for things. And yeah, that's really much, that's it. I have a .vs code folder that has my workspace specific settings, but yeah, nothing else, nothing crazy. Cool. So you can also um, share and sync these. So uh, people often have multiple computers. Maybe you have a work computer and a home computer and you want to keep your settings in sync. Uh, So what a lot of people do is they create a repo called dot files and then they will just put all of their dot files in there. I have a tiny little one, which is I don't put all of my dot files in there, uh, but I do put my ESLint, my get ignore, my hyper dot js and then uh my vs code settings and i just kind of keep them up to date some people will actually use them in git but what i'll do is whenever i make a change to one i'll just copy paste it into github uh so that people can can see the latest version of of what i have word yeah i don't do anything like that i just start a new project copy it from an old project uh not necessarily the most efficient but yeah that's how it is wicked all right, I think that's it for today. Hopefully that gave you a, a nice little overview of what dot files look like and, and why we have them and, and how to use them. Uh, let us know if you've got anything to add at SyntaxFM. Tweet us your, tweet us your hot tips. Uh, anything else to add there, Scott? No, that was a nice little hasty treat. I really enjoyed that one. Hasty. All right, we'll see you on Wednesday. All right, see you on Wednesday. Peace. Peace. Head on over to Syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.